Welcome to How Church Works. This endeavor is focused primarily on sharing conversation and discovering its purpose and function. While in each episode there will be a starting topic, our podcast will be off the reins from typical scripted content, warranting more intimate and creative discussion. Our desire is to find truth in love, and on our end, behind the mic, we believe that Yeshua, or Jesus of Nazareth, is the Messiah, and as a person, is the truth. As our own church, we aim to obey the scriptures, and we are given a duty to equip and build up followers of the way. We hope this will be an accessible platform for such a duty through our conversations. As we continue, you'll be able to perceive more into our lives as disciples of Christ, but we invite you in, as a listener, to meditate on these conversations and, hopefully, can continue them with others in your lives. Again, welcome. So we wanted to talk about what we want to talk about. That's right. <laughs> We're going to talk about the things we want For to talk about. For a specific umbrella, though, too, of like, this is what Christians typically say, that they don't know what they are saying. They don't know what they mean by it. I got you. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, and that makes sense. That's the, like, I guess that's a way that you categorize these topics. Mm-hmm. It's like basically stuff Christians say. There's a, right. There was a book right. in 2012 or something. It was like, shit my dad says. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is shit Christians say. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's, there's like, and it's great. Number one on the list. It just so happens. It's no cussing. Um, right. So, uh, you know, no cussing. Um, we have plutonium on the list, uh, the Trinity. Uh, we have, which I don't want to just, I don't want to cut our teeth on. Um, we, have, <laughs> yeah. we have, Jesus was born on Christmas. You know, this is a thing, you know, I think it touches a lot of things. All these topics will touch uh, supporting or ancillary topics for people because you'll just ask the question why and we'll ride that why train together and right. we can we can find the causal chain to like well, this came from this which came from this which oh this isn't good mm-hmm. um, so the you know the next is Sunday service like Sunday um, why Sunday what about you know what, what about what happened to Christendom that it switched mm-hmm. from Saturday to Sunday you know mm-hmm. Um, which touches on the issue of the Ten Commandments and whether they're viable for whether Christians consider them to be binding or not. And mm-hmm. uh, most Christians I know they, they would say, yeah, you know, you should keep the Ten Commandments. But when you ask them how to keep the fourth one, it's really weird and mealy mouthed and, you know, however one interprets yeah. it. But they don't do that with murder or adultery. Right, um, right. <clears throat> so, uh, I. I was baptized as a kid. I'm saved. You know, the, the division, it, it is a hugely divisive issue, you know. Uh, like that, once saved, always saved. That, that idea, what is baptism? Uh, you can touch the idea of, you know, if you're talking to a charismatic or a Pentecostal, you know, they would, the real baptism they're concerned about is the baptism of uh, the Holy Ghost, which, which they judge as necessarily resulting in tongues, for example. Or you could take it the opposite direction and go high church. High ecclesiology mm-hmm. and baptism is done as performing infants, mm-hmm. um, right? And you don't need you, you don't get baptized again, uh, right? And the way they do do it too is really aggressive. Yeah, and by the way, uh, baptism of infants with water, not speaking in tongues, uh, right? Infants already do that. Um, the yeah, but that's Jesus' duties as disciplines, I, and I know what you meant with that. It's like the idea. There's this way I like that topic discussion a lot. I'm sorry. No, you could. You could. Uh, yeah, I like it. I, I'm gonna do it here. This is my counter. Um, I like that, and I, I hit it with my ring. I like that topic a lot. Um, yeah, but that's Jesus because Christians 
seem to speak out of two sides of their mouth. Mm. And they say, yeah, we should just, you know, WWJD, Jesus is our example, and we should do what Jesus did. But then they also have a ton of arguments like, yeah, but that's Jesus. Right. So it's like, okay. Uh, mm. In what way are we supposed to emulate him? And in what ways, I'll say, I'll make it more fair-minded and gradiented, you know, graded. In what ways are we supposed to emulate Jesus? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I mean, it doesn't, it's not, I don't know. That's a very interesting topic to me. Right, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. God basically is like, I'll show you how to be a human. That digs into it more, but. It does, it does dig into it more. I mean, there's a lot, that's one that, you know, it's very, that's, I'm very, uh, that's tantalizing. I'm very, I'm, I'm stimulated to, to think about that. Um, but we'll move on, as hard as it is, uh, that there's saints or Catholic people. I like that conversation. You came up with this. Is it, I mean, what are saints and what does it mean? And uh, uh, what does it mean to be holy? And it really, it, it t- again, it touches identity. So like the one prior is, yeah, but that's Jesus. Well, what is Jesus or who is Jesus? The ontology of Jesus. But then, the ontology of Yeshua, and then what's the ontology of his disciples post-meeting Yeshua? Like, are, are we transformed? Does something happen to us? Or do we stay the same? Is our ontology, you know, uh, so, and then what are saints? That's an interesting mm-hmm. topic. Um, the Lord's Prayer, really great. Really, really great. I like that topic. It's so, it's pregnant with Things that will change people's lives if you know looked at from different vantage points. Right, that's great. Uh, evolution or Book of Genesis, pick one. Meh. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, it's a. I mean, that's a dilemma. That's it's kind of that is the dilemma that people put in front of, that Christians put in front of people. Mm. Not all Christians, but that's a, that's a dilemma that Christians put in front of people, um, and they often do that without any real reference to history. Or uh, previous writings, or I'll, I'll say this because Christianity is such a fractured beast in this age that to be fair to Christians, right? Like I'm, I'm speaking like they're a united whole. In, in degrees, it's helpful to think of them as a whole. But I think this one's interesting. I understand why a Christian who is a let's say a Protestant in a uh, High church setting, let's say like maybe um, a Lutheran. I can see why they don't care about what Maimonides, the Jew Rambam, said, or something like this. But when you are quoting, when you are quoting a person to support your viewpoint, and that very person's writings talk about a thing that you, right? That's a little silly, so right? I think so many people draw um, inspiration from Martin Luther, for example, who were Protestants and. I mean, look at how, look at, uh, or, or Augustine, I'll say that, I'll back up a step, because a ton of people draw inspiration from Augustine, that Calvinists do, other people, uh, and, and I, actually that's a better one, that's more ripe for this discussion. A lot of people today are call themselves Reformed or Calvinists, um, and draw inspiration from Calvin, and Calvin is Augustinian in his theology, and says so very upfront. Well, Augustine didn't, did not speak of a seven-day literal creation, and he, he, I mean that, that that is the if you're gonna if you're gonna lean on Augustine really heavily in his later days post Pelagian or post Pelagius you know uh, the Pelagian controversy because that's what they do they lean on him really heavy in his later writings 
Well, you know, you should consider his writings about Genesis. Right. Um, yeah. That, that's a, that got us off on a rabbit trail. But no, that's... Many of these will. <laughs> they are. And I, I shouldn't apologize for rabbit trails. Yeah. God, praise <laughs> God for the rabbit trails. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, you put here, and I like this, I'm going to pick on you, you put Calvinism in the three omnis, which I like because you're not a Calvinist and you've never been a Calvinist. It, right? Yeah. And, and so the three omnis have a lot more to do with... <clears throat> Theologians in general, I will say it's fine because in today's Protestant milieu or you know in those kinds of rooms or settings, the Calvinists tend to at least give the greatest amount lip service to the idea of the work of theology. So I get it, you know, why there would be a correlation. But but the three omnis touches really on any any kind of Western Hellenized systemic approach to theology to the, basically to do theology and to. Uh, nail down divine ontology right theology is the study of god but it get a lot of times what theology means in the mouths of moderns is religion stuff uh, more no more like dissecting the actions of god and then reverse engineering them uh, and, and and that's not true because theology is such a broad term because god's creator talking about creation is theology talking about you know what i mean it's very oh, broad. okay but I, i'd like to be more specific because what you're touching on is the ontology of god himself theology in its truest sense the study of god god you know the person of god um i'm not going to touch on trinity there the persons of god um many would say so once saved always saved yeah that's like a big you know that, that, that from so many angles that that is a divisive topic conversation again very very um it would be a good one to have um prophecy just love it i just love that that's what it is because it is kind of like an elephant in the room for a lot of christians from all kinds of traditions mm -hmm. and i would argue the biggest frustration to christians who are in authority positions at, uh, when it comes to the movement of the Spirit in bodies of Christ or congregations, whatever name you want to use, the biggest frustration is the Spirit's insistence on democratizing prophecy. And if you watch carefully, this is not just true for Christians, this is true for Judaism as well. The <clears throat> First, the narrowing down or restriction of how prophecy can function which eventually steps into restricting who gets to do prophecy and then restricting who gets to do prophecy when and where, and eventually no one gets to do prophecy except for, if, it, if they can, a very minute. An example of this would be like Greek Orthodoxy. They believe the gift of prophecy is there. They believe in um, charismata and spiritual gifts, but it's narrow people who are in the clergy. and but Yeah, so they've, they've, they've diminished it. Or Judaism, where... One of the, um, you know, uh, the apocalyptic genre that was very, very well attested to and shared at, at large in Second Temple Judaism is flies in the face of the now post uh, rabbinical Orthodox Judaism mm -hmm. idea that Ruach Hakodesh, the the the, uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit and the prophetic utterance, is highly, 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 highly restricted. Um, and right. that, that restriction is closely associated with the exile. And in a way, what I'm saying is, is 
holding the keys of prophecy is synonymous with gatekeeping. Mm. What you do with prophecy, uh, if you call yourself an authority, is it, it has everything to do with gatekeeping. Um, yeah. I, I just, you know, I, yeah. And I get it. What is that guy going to say? What is that woman going to utter? Mm. I get it. You know, we like to say, well, they're a priest or they're this or whatever, but Joel 2 is scandalous. Your slave girls will prophesy. Mm-hmm. These things that, these, 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 this class that you, many of you, I'm talking about the ancient people or ancient Israel, this class that many of you make into piglot or, or piglot or, or like concubines that you can have sex with and keep lower, like chattel who you don't teach anything to and you don't take their testimony seriously or whatever, yeah, I'm going to put my Holy Spirit on them and they're going to utter mysteries from heaven. And imagining them stepping up and speaking, yeah, and that's upsetting right. for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and there was a prophecy that's very upsetting, I think, for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's okay. God, you know, God upsets people. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if there's any more on that list, but, I, you know, I was thinking, like, other discussions, like for example, we almost wanted to do, you know, is is what we call self awareness or consciousness just one of the many random, like, evolutionary mm-hmm. uh, uh, occurrences, and it's not anything special. Or two, like, do we want to share where our testimony is? For example, right now in the house, we're doing First Timothy, and we're trying to yeah, do yeah, together, yeah. like, different, trying to piece out, like, I mean, and I don't know how how many times would take how many iterations how many episodes yes, whatever but I, I just think you know regardless documentation of where what we're doing right now yeah. the way that we're living yeah. why we believe or like why we do believe that Yeshua yeah. is telling us these specific things yes you know it's it's just crucial so it's you know we've talked about sharing testimony also having just like mm-hmm. uh ontological discussion and because you know we believe Yeshua is the truth I don't know if it would stray away from that at all but like the consciousness thing is like just something sure, to sure, sure. some contemplative stuff I don't know but yeah I'm, I'm working through your list of the Christian thing you're getting to the thing I'm more I think excited about yeah uh, because for me you're going to the the we're going to say we're leaving the Christian thing shit Christians say and we're kind of delving right. into the big questions, metaphysical questions, philosophical questions, you know, ontological questions. Specifically, a subset of metaphysics is ontology. A subset of that is myriology. Okay, and maybe a further subset is anthropological myriology, which is the idea of what are the existent parts of a human that make up and comprise the human experience or a human. Mm-hmm. How do I divide a human up? Myriology is like the problem of the mountain thing. Myriology is where is the branch of philosophy that the problem of the mound would have to uh, occur. It's an, uh, so the problem of the mound is an ontological problem. Specifically, it's a myriological problem. We get the word mere in English, so it's like a mere pittance or something like this. Mere is the idea of divided into its smaller parts. Right, okay. And so how do we divide, what, how do I divide a human? problem of the mound being like a mound is 2,634,000,000. 554,632 grains of sand. That's, that's a mound. Right. But right. it's like, is it a mound or is it this that's, many grains yeah, yeah, of sand? Yeah. But what this is is essentially like, um, I mean, I'm going to press pause for my own brain's sake. We have two more things with the shit Christian okay. say. I'm going to drop and I'm going to touch your thing because it's more to analyzing anyways and 
we get to do it. We're yeah. able to talk to each other. Like, yeah. I, what you're describing is Sorty's paradox. Um, and the paradox, essentially, like the, it can be articulated different ways. It is a problem of ontology, and it tends to be this, the battlegrounds of two competing ontologies. Uh, and these are, not, these are not neat terms. They're broad terms. But emergence, okay, or supervenience is one way to describe that, and um, reductionism. And so the question of the problem of the mouth, sort of this paradox, kind of exposes a potential problem with the reductionist worldview. And this matters because the sciences, the hard sciences, tend to be reductionistic. They don't have to be, but they tend to be. Mm-hmm. Physicists tend to be reductionist, reductionistic, meaning when we ask the question ontologically, we're asking, what is the thing in front of us? What is it? Ontolo- that's ontology, the ontos of the thing. A reductionist says... Well, actually, it's made of this. Well, actually, that's made of this. Well, actually, that's made of this. Well, actually, that's made of that. So eventually, the bottom of, you know, it's not all turtles down there. They say it's all just, some of them will say, it's all just strings vibrating. Okay? Like, that, that, that uh, uh, with mathematical prediction uh, occur according to laws. Everything is just, you know, that's the reductionist viewpoint. But Sorty's Paradox says, okay, well, let's, let's think this through. Um, there's a mound of sand. And I say to you, Clay, all right, bro, um, uh, uh, what's your deal? You know, what are you trying to figure out? And uh, you're like, I want to know what a mound is. And I say, okay. Um, I take a grain of sand away from that mound of sand. And I say, is it still a mound? And you say, yeah, it's still a mound. Okay, I take another grain of sand away. And I say, is it still a mound? You look at it. Yeah, it's still a mound. Now we do this ad nauseum. <laughs> Mm-hmm. At some point, you're going to say, uh, yeah, it's not a mound anymore. And then I'm going to say, ah, so what I've done is I've collected 2,567,337,000 uh, grains of sand. That's that number. That's what a mound is. That You have to have that many grains of sand. No. Well, I weighed them, and this sand is from Puerto Rico, and it's white off of a beach, and... So that's what a mound, no, that's not what that is. Um, and so one, one of the things that people who believe in supervenience or emergence would say is, <clears throat> well, the, the, the attribute, the ontological attribute of the mound emerges out of that small, those smaller elements. And you, if you just reduce to those elements, you won't understand a mound. So like the, you know, a similar problem would be clouds in the sky, right? Well, all clouds are is just dust and water molecules, right? Mm-hmm. If I study dust perfectly and then i study water perfect water molecules perfectly these things separate i will never understand how it is that the word sex appears in the sky in lion king okay <laughs> like like uh, i don't that's an added layer of problem right, right. like the idea like okay oh dude i saw mary weeping in the clouds right like right okay, so then that's jesus just, on toast i'm never gonna understand that by studying dust and water molecules, okay? Mm-hmm. Some would argue that that's low emergence, which is not true. A weak emergence, not strong emergence. Weak emergence would be like, well, it does emerge, but technically if I could understand everything about dust particles and I could technically understand everything about water molecules, then I should be able to predict the behavior of clouds. But the behavior isn't the cloud. That's The behavior that, isn't the thing that you call a cloud. This it's becomes the problem. I mean, ontology is a, a really, really problematic 
study because of because of definitions. Yeah, uh, it, it's jarbled. It's very it, you're getting really really low grade. You know, um, and, and anything that, that gets that low grade, I would say anything that's that foundational that low grade, it can be really hard to have conversations and even stop yourself. Which is why the the stringency in language is no. I mean, I'm not a philosopher, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, kudos to them for inventing those rules, but I, right. I'm not able to do that. Right. Uh, but but it, it's a good conversation, nonetheless. It's a great conversation. The um, the last two things for the 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 kind of the Christian stuff is the Bible fell from heaven. Like what is Scripture? That's very meaningful to me personally, um, and it's a it's a pitfall for a lot of people. And I think if we avoided some of the silly ideas that Christians have espoused regarding scripture we could avoid a lot of headache like i think one of the most to me it's poignant sad and moving kind of tragic but it's also like kind of like scary when you have people like bart Ehrman, who are just incredible he's he's uh, an atheistic skeptic Mm -hmm. and uh, study an erudite scholar studies scripture you know studies manuscript you know transmission really really big authority on redaction and manuscript transcription transcription and copying of, of texts uh, he started as a Christian and even went to Fuller Theological Seminary and when his he, no matter how he was incredibly intelligent you know and very very skilled in this work the original languages whatever but he had to be honest a kindergartner view of inerrancy inerrancy what's that inerrancy is a theological term meaning uh, the Bible or scripture is it possesses no errors in it depends on how you define it but most people would say oh it's infallible infallible is getting close and infallibility of scripture is an idea that catholics have espoused and others have said but inerrancy is a more a, a little bit further derivation it's the idea i've heard it articulated one way that the autographs meaning the original text possess no errors whatsoever none uh that that idea as worded i can get behind what most people mean when they say inerrant in degrees but the problem you're going to find is like look dude they believe the sky was solid and 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 they believe that up into the new testament and god's not ashamed of them for that and god did not come here to teach them um accurate uh aeronautics or uh, or the the, the, the practical implications of an ozone. He did no interest in... I, I just don't believe... I, I, I don't see... I don't judge... Better than say believe, because you want to use clear language here. I don't judge that... Um, he... The, 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 a, the scriptures lack... Uh, cosmological... Uh, viewpoints that we believe are patently false. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, I also know that... Uh, Scripture possesses dark actions and the uh, enshrinement of dark actions uh, that ought not be emulated just because it's in the Bible. And there are pieces of that that's faulty thinking and brokenness. It's a testament to the right. faulty thinking and brokenness. It, it get, this is a subject that really, really, really gets hurtful for people. And, and it's a sensitive one. I want to speak about it sensitively. But you think about someone, what a great mind, Bart Ehrman, if, if he had... if if in the center, people will use language like web of beliefs. If at the center of his web of beliefs was the living person Yeshua of Nazareth, 
then when inerrancy started to totter for him and we're in the outer edge of his web he'd still be a, a, a faithful follower but for him biblical inerrancy was at the center of his web mm-hmm. there are actually a lot of Christians that they don't know it but they're biblio- they're, they don't know it that they're idolaters they're secretly idolaters they're bibliolatrists they worship the Bible um, and they're not aware of it and they think that worshiping the Bible is worshiping Jesus like when they hear the phrase he is the word of God Jesus is the word of God. They think Jesus is a Bible. I mm-hmm. actually know people who think along those lines. Jesus is Jesus a Bible. The Bible. Yeah, but in <laughs> in the Bible it says you search the scriptures for me, but you won't come to me. That's uh, I, I agree. Okay, yeah, that's a great verse to pull up. But it's know. easy for me to be on this back end, not being raised and being right. atheist these and are, not are, having that. Yeah, it hurts, man. To lose a a, a sacred calf hurts. I've lost them. It's painful. So I'm not trying to. I'm not just trying to shit on people. It hurts. Yeah. Uh, and I just find that the, my my master is the the best guide through that hurt. The person of Yeshua Himself directly in my life. Him is the best. He's been the best guide to guide me through the hurt and pain that I've been having to let go of sacred calves. Mm-hmm. A lot of those things are just synonymizations where we have a false depiction of God and we synonymize the things of God. It makes it easier for us. Yeah. Uh, but God is, his ontology is the trickiest. You know, God, who is God? What is God? The, um, the, and the last one, what is a tithe? It's fun. That's a fun one because that's so divisive and yet, you know, that just keeps the engine rolling. The reason we really are having these arguments in a lot of these divisions is because of how money flows mm-hmm. and how well people are able to propagate their belief systems inside of bureaucratic organizations where money flows in accordance with guidelines from people at the top. And tithing's right at the center of that. Yeah. You don't have the Vatican uh, without uh, a ton of donations, <clears throat> yeah. you know. And, you know, thank God for St. Peter's Free Christ. will Let's offerings. Get out of purgatory. Sorry, what were you saying? <laughs> Free, Free will. will. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and you have other ideas you can discuss about, but but the other, you know, you talked about, you know, what is the consciousness, you know, and uh, I, I like, and I told you how it could go from philosophy, metaphysics, ontology, myriology, anthropological neurology that's how that's that guy and you have other you know other areas to be explored within metaphysics alone that are just right. incredible I like studying cosmology I love it um, I like studying um, I like studying where cosmology touches ontology and then myriology or myriological cosmology meaning mm-hmm. is there one world like one of the problems we have is not even just many worlds hypothesis in a physics sense where the many worlds hypo- hypothesis is uh, we, you and I would use the language scene realm. Like they would say, the scene realm is all that there is and exists, but it propagates infinitely across all possible occurrences. The many worlds hypothesis, uh, meaning they think that some people believe that quantum mechanics reveals to us that there's there's a probability of cloud for the movement of subatomic particles. Meaning, if you trace that out. 100% of the probabilities actually occur. And each of those probabilities correlate to a different world or timeline where it occurred. That's the mini-world hypothesis in the sense of... Oh, mini-universe, yeah, yeah. like multiverse kind of thing. Kind of multiverse, sliders yeah. type of stuff from the right. 90s. 90s throwback, 90s people know sliders. But, <laughs> um, that That's kind of, to me, like a lateral view of mini-worlds, but I am more interested in the vertical uh, idea of emerging 
higher order dimensions or worlds, which which still that's not mutually exclusive. That still could have a mini worlds expression, which right. would be even more wild. Right. But, but I'm more interested in the idea that um, there are higher order cosms or realms, the same way that tardigrades can battle on the palm of our hand. You know, right, 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 right. They're called little bears, you know, mm -hmm. horrific looking creatures. And and they have no capacity or awareness of us. Yeah. And yet, if I kill myself, they die. With wow, them. yeah. You know, these idea of interlocking cosms that emerge out of. And we have that. We have, you know, uh, we have out of the subatomic emerges the atomic. Out of that emerges the molecular. Out of that emerges the cellular. Out of that emerges the organismal. Out of that emerges the societal. Mm -hmm. And then a question can arise, which is, do, and I, unless people want to balk at that, you know, if you try to, if you were, for example, to take an atom and look at the size, the largesse, and you were to put it in real world terms, if the atom, if the field of the electrons were made to be the perimeter of St. Peter's Basilica or a giant cathedral, then the nucleus would be the size of a fist. That, there's that size distinction of uh, of the um, meaning if I took an atom we think of an atom as just one thing and when we draw it or depict it it's like it's really close together it's visible we can see that oh atom. to scale if you drew it in to, its... yeah that's right if you made an atom to scale and you put that there the nucleus would be the size of a fist inside of a cathedral oh wow and so if your vantage point is small right yeah. You would have a really hard time connecting those dots. The same way a tardigrade. Like try to explain try to explain in, in economical inflation at the of the global village to a tardigrade. <laughs> this is like the the, the problem become it, it isn't just a capacity thing. I know that I'm kind of mixing categories and in a way people are like well, there's that's just kind of a silly question because it, it's like a, it, it, it doesn't have the capacity. But first off, we don't know that I would argue I'd be a, I'd be a, uh, kind of a dickhead there and say we don't know uh, we, we don't know for example if fungus could be communicated with because just because we don't know how to interface with something right. doesn't mean it can't be right. or, or communicated with but the, so even if it had the capacity the problem would be a frame of reference or a viewpoint there's literally a frame of reference problem there's a viewpoint problem even there are if I made somebody have infinite if I made a three dimensional being have infinite knowledge they would still have the restrictions of that we do physics wise of peering into a black hole um, right it, 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 of, it, of time space yeah. well the just the mechanics of it itself you know by definition it, it should not be we're not capable of doing it right now it, it locked into our, our three dimensions so I'm, I'm just making I'm all I'm trying to do is in conversation say well what's can we divide this issue into its problematic parts because there's a these are many-sided problems They're right like simple problems right we're now talking about. we're trying to talk about really you know, and, and then the conversations are fun because we we get to ask with each other as as brothers. We're a you know being a conversation partner is like being the cherubim, the cherubim. You know, like having these conversations and meditating them and rehearsing them and practicing practicing them done rightly. When we utilize our minds, it should change the way we worship. It should change the way that we talk. It should humble us as we pursue more knowledge. There's a correlation between. The acquisition of a greater, yeah, you can't, there, knowledge is a necessary 
phenomena for engaging with love. I'm supposed to be, the observer effect is real. I'm supposed to be an observer of love. I'm supposed to measure it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm supposed to quantify, to seek to quantify my observations of love and measure love. And the, the, the acquisition of more measurement is just what we call knowledge. And so this is why as I grow in knowledge of love, my love grows. I don't mean book knowledge. I mean right. books like Yada and Hebrew to be joined to. So With God. Yes, with God, or more particularly with Yeshua. Yeah. Who I, I'm not I'm not he is God, but but specifically this idea that God is love, but love needs to be revealed to us. The revelation of the love of God is prophecy. That's what we call prophecy. Um, and the love of God, if it has bounds or dimensional personhood, this is what we call Yeshua. Right. Yeah. It, it is like the, and I don't even want to narrow it down to this, I think, yeah, just unclear explanation, but say, for example, at the tardigrade level, mm-hmm. we, we wanted to have a piece of us there and... Yeshua would essentially be like mm-hmm. the quote-unquote tardigrade that revealed us to other tardigrades. Yeah, that's that's a way to think about it. And what you're touching on is the idea of how does the Creator engage with creation at all? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, Jew, the the Torah would just very firmly say He is both beyond creation and intimately engages with it. And the Torah, this is the only, unless people think this is just a Christian thing, uh, you know, it's not. It's a problem that it's an Israelite tradition that the Jews still wrestle with and have wrestled with. It's not a simple thing. You know, some rabbis jokingly said the Christians divided God into three and now you Kabbalists have divided him into ten. To be an Orthodox Jew, you you have to accept Kabbalah. And Kabbalah, it also alludes to the complexities of an infinite creator interacting with finite creation. And so the, the thing that I want us to anchor our experience in is this, the Torah is, has this commitment to the idea that God is simultaneously beyond creation and so humble that he will in, he will stoop down and interact dimensionally, corporeality is what I'm describing, dimensionally, directly interact with beings within that their particular cosmos. And we have no reason to assume he's not he can't do it with animals or or, or with microcosmic things or even macrocosmic things. Indeed, I think that's a better way to depict higher dimensional beings is they are macrocosmic beings, which is one of the reasons I think, as absurd as that sounds, one of the reasons they're depicted as large. In the Tanakh, in the Old Testament, these guys are depicted as large celestial beings. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so, uh, I, yeah, I mean, this is really interesting stuff. It's, 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 it's heavy stuff. Yeah. As long, I think that's our deepest thing is we're exploring together. Really, what I'm doing is when I'm conversing with a brother, I hope, is... First, I want to be having a conversation with the brother and with God present. I want him to interrupt us with prophecy. I want him to speak to us. Mm-hmm. We're also, it's kind of a dry run to be able to rehearse in conversation with a brother how to talk to God. Really. Right. Know, and have conversation with him. And then in a, in a, in a, in a um, apocalyptic sense, it's all just a dry run for face-to-face. When we're going to have... When Amen. We, when, we get to the li- when we get to literally touch and see and and interact with directly, you know. 
um, we get a taste of that. We get a secure down payment taste of that through the spirit of prophecy, which is a sure which is the possessing Holy Spirit, which in Ephesians 4 descended mm. from Pentecost and filled people. We get it. We're bound to him ontologically now. But it is a way that is a kind of, it's the equivalent of nowadays if you go to grocery stores and you see certain groceries taken off the shelves, put into a, a bag or a portion of a shelf, and then they print out a little thing with a marking. Agaloos, mm-hmm. that's who, who's going to pick it up later. You know, that's what the Holy Spirit is. It, all it is is just it's not it's not the thing to replace the 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 the, the, the present resurrected Messiah. Right. It, it's a down payment in lieu of that. Yeah, as you see me now, mm-hmm. we're not there yet. Yeah, um, and I think. Part of it, too, is uh, to inform any Christians or anybody that has these questions or, um, you know, to testify about the way that Yeshua's brought us together in this way to live, in this arrangement, in conduct and in arrangement. Yes. Um, yes. Testifying about that. That's right. So for the equipping of saints, so say, for example, Hickory Church wants to sure. know what's what's on the menu for uh for like what Corral household is going through, or just That's just right. more of an encouragement to testify no, about the exactly work, right. his work. That's mm-hmm. right, because we, I mean, we will overcome the devil, a celestial being, by a by a mystical element and by a very very earthy, mm-hmm. hard dimensional element. Yeah, we will. They overcame the they overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb, which in Revelation and it's apocalyptic ecstatic prophecy, that that alludes to a lot more, and by their own testimony. Mm-hmm. That which is seen and heard, and, and it's by, by sharing each other's testimonies, we actually are able to bring people into greater conformity with truth, with reality. Right. Uh, and so, right. yeah, it, it, I, I also think that's another. You know, we're talking about, we're talking about metaphysics and philosophy and all this kind of stuff. But another thing is uh, uh, this branch of you know sociology and, and relationship and human interaction. Mm-hmm. It's hugely important. Like we keep using a word that. We take for granted in our life that is a weird word that moderns don't use anymore. It's household. They, right. When they hear household, they might think uh, an IRS form. That's the last time they saw it. They don't talk about household. And when they meet, right. when they say household, they probably mean the living room, or 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 I think what they mean is a nuclear family. Right. They yeah. They definitely yeah. don't think of multiple families in a single domicile or something like this, or even multi generational living. Mm-hmm. Together in a domicile, right? Or even, or even the idea of uh, uh, what does it look like to be interconnected in multiple domiciles on a homestead? These are questions that are just absolutely out there to people. Yeah, we can bear witness to. That's a part of our daily life. Right, right. Yeah, and I think too with the, uh, you know, with the videos we were doing, like Bible and bits or whatever, that seemed to be more of like a daily diary sort of thing toward a glance into what we're doing and i've been thinking about how to how to like what should i be doing because i I think the lord is really like putting on me at least when i have time where i'm feeling quote aimless to start filming to start making stuff to start like because it's what he gave me it's like the skill set of what i told you about like How I would produce and oversee is being redeemed. It's also the creative aspect too, where That's it's right. like I can and I should, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I've just been thinking about that. And this is a great way to do it too because it's simple and it's conversational. It's yeah. it's in real time. Yeah. You know, so. I, I mean, I amen, I amen what you're saying. You're essentially saying in your people who don't know this, you know, you're back on in film production. Like you're, you're, being, you're a recorder. Yeah. You're an arranger of material and a recorder of it, which is just a modern way to describe a scribe. You even know mm-hmm. what describe. Right? Like, you get that word. Yeah. You are, you you have a duty, and mm-hmm. I think if the Spirit's saying that to you, that's perfectly fine. I mean, myself, the Lord confirmed in my walk that, yeah, I am raising you up in the function of scribe that I prophesied about in Matthew twenty three, when I told the Pharise- when the when I told the prophet Shane, like I, the Pharisees, I am raising up. Therefore, I will raise up scribes and prophets and wise men, some of whom you will flog in your synagogues and beat and kill. You know what? He's doing this. He's raising up scribes. He's raising up scribes. It's a weird, it's a function people have forgotten about. Scribes were the ancient artists, mathematician, grammarian, you know, because literally their letters were based on pictograms. Um, mm-hmm. they, their letters were their numerals. Mm-hmm. Their letters were the bits, for the grammatical bits for how they wrote down contracts. And I mean, they had to be accountants. So a scribe is a, a really broad word. But what we really mean is, I want to say a scribe is an ultimate witness to witnesses. It's like a meta, they're a meta witness. Right. They, they create meta witnesses. Right. They create a, they create witnesses to witnesses. Um, and that is, um, it's a high calling. It's not something, it's a waste in a lot of people's eyes. Uh, and I think sheeple will have a really hard time accepting that Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua, that he is raising people up, who's one of their primary functions is record. Yeah. Depict. Describe. Right. Save up. Store up. Store up. Yeah, absolutely. It's so vital. Like, people, I'm sorry, I don't want to be crass, but like, so many times people don't really give a shit about what grandma's life was until she's in a casket. Yeah. Then they're suddenly like, who was this woman that I came from? Right. It's too late. Right. I'm being a butthead on purpose because I want people to feel the pain of that. Like, if we don't have scribes, that's what we end up with. You can yeah. have the most powerful Acts 2, Acts 4, you know, Acts 13 revivals. You can imagine. And if people don't record it, it, it's like it becomes while the enemy's working against it I'm trying to undo it it becomes like a fart in the wind right it's we wouldn't have scripture mm-hmm. that's all scripture is is testimony mm-hmm. it's the work of scribes yeah scripture is the work of scribes some of them are maybe ill-suited scribes in some people's eyes like the shepherd of Tekoa or Amos mm-hmm. but they're scribes they're in the function scribally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I mean and it's so much to break down too I mean because I didn't, I thought Jesus was like a Gandhi or an MLK or a guy who, yeah, he said some really noble things and yeah. he might have been crucified. I didn't think of, you don't think about it too much. You make presuppositions in order to fit it into what you're safe with, what you're cool yes. with, in order to move on to the next thing with yeah. distractions, whatever. I was definitely into like Joseph Campbell or Alan Watts, like God's a metaphor to the mystery. He's, yeah. whatever it is, yeah. it's passive not involved it did make this 
the only relationship I have with it is that I, I change with the seasons that I see. Yes. And realizing through prayer and prophecy as, as somebody that didn't know, um, like dreams and visions and just unexplainable things happening, like realizing when I call on the name Jesus, yeah. reality changes for my gain, for my benefit. Someone hears me. Someone yeah. sees me. There's someone that I can't see yeah. that sees me yeah. and knows me. And it's just kind of like yeah. then if Jesus is alive, yeah. then it's the it's like the causation thing. It's all the dominoes then fall about what reality yeah. is right. for us, who That's we right. are. Yeah. Like, and it's... It, in the explanation too, it's it's kind of, and it's crazy to me because it's like, I don't know. It's I always say I'm just like I'm a agnostic atheist that follows Jesus. Like I'm not a Christian. I just don't because I'll speak to Christians and it's just like they don't. It's it's like a, I don't know, man. It's like a fucking another star on your chest. It's like another like just find a new thing. You know what I mean? Like you're talking about God. You're talking about. God as a person. Well, okay, okay, there, there it is. And just to, sorry, just to lead to that about like the discussions about if this is the case, then I there is a way to follow and coming. Yeah, it was Yeshua all day. Yeah. I did nothing yeah. to bring myself to Charleston. To right. I just obeyed and walked in the steps that were in yeah. front of me. Yeah. But the ways in which I live and today, it's like, yeah. and I need to give thanks for it continually. Is like this is yeah. the way. It is. This is the way. Or is to, even said better based on what you've already said. He, is, he the is the way. Yeah. Amen. It's an outrageous narrative you just spun up. It's crazy. It's absurd. It's uh, it, it makes people angry. That asking the question, calling out Jesus, is the way to find out the center of ontology at reality. Instead of calling out Gandhi or calling out I'm okay. Right. The idea that all of reality bottlenecks at some random Jew who lived in Galilee. A nobody. It's an absurd claim, but you have articulated rightly that there's a ton of power to back it up. We obviously could go back and study the, the scriptures and oracles that speak that a bottleneck like this would occur because Yahweh does things that are very, very mysterious and confusing to thwart the arrogant and the religious. There's that. But the other piece that I, that I, that I, I want to touch is that's why you don't connect with Christians so well. It's because Christians have synonymized the organization with Jesus. And they say reality bottlenecks at the organization. They say the sentence, that, yeah, I agree. Reality bottlenecks at Jesus, but what they actually don't realize is synonymize that organization with Jesus. And you don't get along with them well because, no, for you it's an invasive, dream-giving, voice-convicting person. Yes. Jesus. Yes. And, yeah. and that, it's hard to get along. I, I'm with you. I mean, for me, I was not Not raised. that I'm special or anything. No, it's no, It's just like, oh my God. No, for, it's the same for me. I, I, I was raised a white, you know, typical, a boring, white trash kid, not raised Christian. I was not raised Christian. And my parents did not make me believe in Jesus and... I didn't get exposed to Christians until I got much older. And to be honest with you, some of the, 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 I've had two crises in my life. I don't know if that's the right word. Uh, I don't know how to pluralize that word. Crises? Yeah, crises. There you go. I've had two crises in my life. Um, 
one, a, a crisis of faith, like one, the first one, which was really, really embattled, really terrible, was from Christians. Christians. The second one, I could say, uh, was dealing with Christians. Uh, the first one was dealing with Christians and being around them. Just living among them and being exposed mm-hmm. to them in a way that had not mm-hmm. crushed me. And then the secondary thing was having to do the work as a Christ follower that Christians were literally refusing to do and just being ostriches with their heads in the sand kind of deal. Okay? And so it correlates to that. Like some of my hardest times directly correlates to, like, I mean, there's, he wept. Yeshua wept. When he dealt with the Pharisees and looked at Jerusalem, he wept over Jerusalem. And he said, you leaders... If I want to take your children like a, like a mother hen under my wings. I want to take your children, meaning the, those who are submitting to you, leaders of Jerusalem, the Jewish people. I want to take the children under my wings, but you leaders weren't willing. It doesn't say you children weren't willing. Because it's your children that I wanted to take. The leaders weren't willing. This question of what is the Christ is directly correlated to what is Christianity. A lot of people, that's idolatry, dude. Idolatry starts with syncretism. It starts with a kind of tricky synonymization they did not say you know Moshe's taken a really long time let's just worship a fucking cow they said let's make an image of Yahweh right they used the divine name that Moshe revealed to them never have I spoken to Abraham Yitzchak Yaakov in the name Yahweh I'm giving it to Yehovah I'm giving it to you Moshe I'm giving it to you to, to declare to them this this name that was given to them they're like let's make a calf let's make an image of that Okay? They were not saying, I'm done with Yahweh. They were saying, I want to depict Yahweh as an animal I'm in control of. Right. So so it is wanting the thing, and it's wanting your cake and eating it too. It's wanting your, your life the way you want it and the God thing. But I've got to change God because God forbid that I change me or my life. You know? Can't be two masters. Yeah. There can't be. And, and, and the funny thing is, is people avoid that dilemma by just re- painting God. But even then too, like how Yeshua treats us is sharing who he is sharing. He's not like I'm now in complete control over your life. The ways in which he is a master is like he, he fucking bows to us, which is like, it's it's beautiful. We talked about, and this is this is in depth, but like it, he's the first brother cherubim, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. bowing. And it's I've just thought about that. Of like, you know what kind of a master he is. Like, and a kind of a master I am. Mm-hmm. Like, I will not share my choice. I will not share my yeah. my will. Yeah. I won't. Yeah. It's mine. Mm-hmm. Jesus is like, I I will. Yeah. I want you to, yeah. not only to be like me, but because I love to do that. Yeah. And, and as a side note, because I'm just trying to be faithful to stick to, yeah. uh, uh, you're doing great. I love this stuff. It makes me, it like makes me, it rejuvenates me, it energizes me, but I want it, you just brought it to mind. Oh man, you just brought up another topic for me. Like, yeah. The, uh, it's the ethics and the issue yes. of ethical dilemmas that people face. And for example, a, a definitional problem, what is authority? And then how that leads into how should authority be wielded. Right. And then also the way that anthropology, the study of mankind, dovetails with these ethical questions in history. And we say, how are, how are we finding ourselves replicating ethical decisions that were handed down? Right. Where did religion come from? Why are people 
doing the things that they're doing in the name of gods or in the name of an ideology or a cause? Those are really interesting questions that we really we need to dive into, you know, uh, and, and that's what we're trying to do. These ideas don't come from nowhere. You're you're touching on the idea of when you say I don't king like God kings. Essentially, we're saying, well, are there others who don't king like God kings? Because ultimately, there's one king who doesn't king like God kings. It's Hasatan. Right. And we're all in this world, in this age, subjugated to him in some aspect of our ontology. We're we're subjected to that. Right. Okay. And that's why we do not yet. Yeah. Well, well, to say too, I just had a thought. Like, I, and I hate looking at it in myself because it's such a lie that it's like, well, somewhere in me there has to be good for Jesus to want me. Yeah. And it's. But I see like how much my how much I actually desire evil. Yeah. You know, it's not like it is like Satan and these dimensional beings mm-hmm. that plague us with lies and shame us, but sure. like I what the Yeshua says is like you do the will of your father, and your father is the devil. Like yeah. you love to do what's evil. It's like I I don't want to separate the fact that like yeah. I'm evil yeah. you know like and i've done that so many times we're like well it's satan or yeah. it's my flesh but sure. like but there's still the me in here yeah that's a, and you know that, and that's a great question that one is that's where you touch me is the me in here like prone to evil or is that that's like right that, these are great questions like why what is choice and why is evil possible and why is there a magnetism or an attraction toward it right and, uh, those are hard questions right because there's parts of me that are just like I hate realizing it, but it's like I almost when I don't want to forgive because I like I've, I've literally recently had to practice like just forgive, let it go. Because Yeshua's told me it's by the grace of Jesus, like yeah. by him telling me yeah. to do these things. Otherwise, it's like, well, I just kind of don't want to forgive or I'm like immovable. I'm stubborn. I'm like, I deserve to feel this. And yeah. it's just like I I'm so either I'm forgetful or I'm willfully being blind yeah. to what has been given to me yeah. and I'm just, it's just been crazy to realize like that I, it, what you just said, like I'm, I hate looking at it because I just hate to realize I have to admit it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, there's, there's so many layers to, to this. There's so much to talk about. I can't wait. I mean, this is, I think this conversation is like, a, um, you know, humans like to, it's like vacation. What's the dude said? Want to go eat? And after we're done eating, want to go eat? Go eat. Yes. <laughs> or it's like I, I do this as human. There's a. It's almost a pastime of humans. Talking about food, is almost the best way to prepare for eating food. You you talk about great. If you know you're right. headed to a great meal, oh, oh yeah, you know, you're talking you about it. Forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's what this is. This conversation is like. Right. I'm excited to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. And having a conversation about the conversations mm-hmm. that we have is. And then those conversations mindset. awaiting Yeshua and talking with him. Yeah, you know? it, this will hope if we're doing this right, which I think we are, brother. Like it's gonna it's gonna make our prayer life more fruitful. It's gonna make Amen. our pondering more fruitful. So, yeah, yeah. Sweet. Peace. Bye. Yeshua bless you. <laughs>